Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good to, good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's go to John chapter 19. We've got a few minutes together. We're going to look into God's Word and continue our series on heroes of the faith. How many of you are here today and you are grateful that God put heroes that you and I can look up to and we can receive encouragement from to help us run the race of life? I mean, great men and women, heroes, people that we can admire and look up to. And so for the whole, this whole year, we're going to go through all the heroes in the Bible. And we started in Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll get back to Hebrews chapter 11. But for right now, we're talking about heroes uh, of Easter and some unsung heroes. I like the unsung heroes. I mean, everybody can talk about David and Samson and, you know, all those Moses. But we're looking at people in the Bible that, that many of them, their names aren't even in the Bible. But yet they're heroes. And we're going to look into God's word and look at uh, today at um, the centurion soldier. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Procula. Many of us have never even heard of Procula before. She was Pilate's wife. She came to Pilate and said, I wouldn't mess with him. I had a dream. If I were you, that guy's innocent. Leave him alone. We talked about the power of dreams and how God still speaks to us with dreams. Uh, last week, we had a wonderful time. We looked at uh, Sim Simon. Simon of Serene, if you weren't here, I preached the whole sermon carrying a cross. Never done that before. Simon was an immigrant from Africa who happened to be at the right place at the right time, and the Bible says he was forced to carry the cross of Christ. What a hero. What a privilege. Think about it. A moment when Christ couldn't even carry his own cross. An unlikely hero stepped up and he carried the cross of Christ. And last week we had a wonderful time looking at how we are commanded to carry the, the cross of Christ. Today we're going to look at the centurion soldier. And in the Bible it's just a soldier but I'm grateful for historians and men and women who go and research, and he's got a name. We're going to look at that today. We're going to look at the guy who, who, uh, who, who, who pierced the side of Christ. And then a few moments later, he was the one who declared, surely, he was the Son of God. So let's look in uh, John chapter 9. If you're with me this morning, let me hear an amen. amen. The centurion shoulder. This is John chapter 9. Uh, it's in your notes. You can follow along. You can, on the screen, you can follow. Now, it, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and, and then the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus aside with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. I want you to circle that two, those two words there, blood and water. We're going to look at why blood and water was, came out of Christ. The man who saw it and had given testimony 
And the testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that also you may believe. These things happened as the scripture would fulfill. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one who has been pierced. And then look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 54. And when the centurion and all those that were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. So we're looking at a centurion soldier. The Bible doesn't say what his name was, but historians tell us that he had an he interesting name. His name was Longus. Longus. Interesting name. I told Pastor John that this week, and he, he said, well, I'd rather have the name Longus than Shortest. I mean, it, it, it's interesting name. Did his, did his parents... When they were naming him, did they have any idea that Longus would be the soldier, the man who pierced the side of Christ? Longest. I think that's interesting. He was a, a centurion soldier. He was in charge of over 100 soldiers in the Roman government and structure. And he was the one who, after Christ just had passed away, fulfilling prophecy, he would be the one that would pierce Christ with a sword. Now, you got to know that if you have the name Longus, you're not going to have a short sword. You're going you're to have a long sword. And his job as a centurion soldier was to fulfill prophecy, and he would be the one that would take a long spear and pierce the side of Christ. He was trained to do this. He made a living out of wounding people. He made a living out of taking his force and his power and controlling situations and getting people to do what he wanted them to do. He, he, he used violence and force. It was his job. Woke up every day and his, his, his mission was, who am I going to wound today? Who am I going to hurt today? Who am I going to uh, bully? I think it's interesting that, that, that he had a long sword. Because I think all of us sometimes... We have the tendency to wound Christ, and, 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 and it's a little bit easier to wound him from a distance. Make the sword longer. Make the distance longer, because when I wound him, I, I don't want to get too close. If I get too close, maybe my emotions will begin to kick in, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wound him from a distance. And Longus, the centurion soldier, was the very man who took a long sword and he pierced the side of Christ. He was also the soldier who, when the earthquake started to take place, 
Historians tell us that he was the one that said, surely he is the son of God. And so like us, he went from wounding Christ and a few minutes later declaring that he was the son of God. I think we all can relate a little bit to the centurion soldier called Longus. We wound, and then a few minutes later, we're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, the Bible's not filled with any meaningless details. When Longus took that sword and pierced the side of Christ, the Bible says very clearly that, 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 that out of Jesus and out of his body came blood and water. Now, why does the writer include those details in the story that we're looking at today? And I think there's some beautiful revelation on why blood and water flowed from Christ. There's, there's, there's two liquids that came out. One was blood and one was water. The blood is symbolic, as you know, of redemption. How many are grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. I, I think it's beautiful that, 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 that Christ was only dead for a few moments, and yet he was already starting to give. He lived a life of giving, but in his death, he continued to give. And he gave, as that sword went in his side, he gave not only blood, which is symbolic of redemption, but he also gave water, which is symbolic of life. Now stay with me here. He gave blood, which speaks of forgiveness. He gave water, which in the Bible, water is symbolic of life. What a beautiful gift that Jesus gave to us on Calvary's cross. We talk a lot about the blood, and we know a lot about the blood, but what came out of Christ was blood, which speaks of redemption, and water, which speaks of life. You see, there was, there was two cups. And you've got to have both cups. One cup is the blood, which is symbolic of our forgiveness and our redemption. He also gave the cup of water which is life. And as we celebrate Lent these next few weeks, we need to celebrate the gift that Christ gave in giving not only his blood, but he also gave water, which is symbolic of life. I'm grateful for the blood. I'm grateful for the water. You've got to have both. And the gift that Christ gave to us on that day was the gift of his blood and of water. Have you ever thought about it? Water is essential for living. How many has ever lived without water? How many of you are here today, you would like to do a test for the next week and volunteer to live without water? Can I see your hands? Why? Because water is essential for life. You've got to have water. 
And when Christ died on Calvary's cross and his side was pierced, he not only gave blood which forgives you, but he also gave water that gives you life, and not only just life, abundant life. Christ is our life. He not only forgives our sins, but he gives us a reason for living. And we've got to have water to live. A few years ago, I had the chance to go to Africa. And I've been many, many times. This is the first time I went to Africa. And and as soon as you you get out of uh, the van, the village people, we were probably four, five, six hours outside of town in Ghana. And we were walking through, and, and, and when they see a van, it's just something special. They don't see that every day. And so a van pulls up, and hundreds of kids, and, and they, they start congregating. And the first thing that happens almost every single time, you walk through the village, and a little boy comes up and grabs your hand. And a little girl grabs your finger. It's the first time in my life, and I've been on missions for years and years and years, where the missionary looked at me as I'm walking now with a kid holding my one finger and a girl holding my other hand, and I'm walking through seeing hundreds of people, and the missionary says to me, Pastor Scott, if these people don't get water in the next six months, every person you see is going to pass away. How many know that's a buzzkill? Every person you see... It's not going to make it if we don't get them water. And it was that moment I determined. I didn't know how much it was going to cost. I didn't know how we were going to do it. But I was going to make sure, if I was going to do anything, that I was going to make sure that that village got water. Why? Because every person needs water for life and to live. And so I came back, and I was grateful to be able to raise $10,000 to send so that village could get the water they needed to live. I'm grateful for the blood. I'm grateful for the water. A few months later, I get a a, a package at my office. And if you go to my office, you're going to see almost hundreds of pictures in my office. None mean more to me than, of course, my wife, Tammy. (laughs) My son, Aaron. My other son, Austin, Amanda, and Allison. The family pictures I got... Pictures up there of me fishing and and hunting and all sorts of good things. But one of my favorite pictures is the picture that I've got in my office of the village standing in front of a water well saying, thank you for the water. See, we need the blood. But Christ died and his gift to us is not only the blood but it's the water, and the water gives life. And I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10, and you've heard this a million times. Jesus says, I've come that you have life, and my blood gives you life, but I've come that you may have what? Abundant life. I pray that you will receive the blood that forgives you and the water that empowers you to live life for the glory of God. One of the beautiful gifts that Christ gave us on Calvary's cross is the blood that was shed and the water that poured out so that you and I could have life and have it abundantly. There is a fountain. How many are still with me? Look on the back of your notes. I want you to see this, how, how, how important the blood and the water is because they, they are, are, are prophetic. And there's a reason why blood and water flowed from Christ. 
Look in your, in your notes there, Zechariah 13, verse 1. And on that day, a fountain will be opened. Everyone say fountain. A fountain will be opened to the house of David and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. The blood is redemption and the fountain flows so that we can be free. Can I get Psalm 36, verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we will see light. I'm reminded of the old hymn of the church. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Aren't you grateful for the blood of Christ and the water of Christ that not only gives us redemption, but gives us life and life abundantly? Well, let's look at what Longus would tell us as we are running this race of life and some lessons that we can learn. How, let's look at how the soldier became a saint. If you're still with me, let me hear an amen. amen. Number one, Longus became a saint because he discovered that God doesn't give up on people who wound others. Do you believe that God doesn't give up on people that wound others? Now, here's Longus. He's a professional wounder, and he found at the cross that God doesn't give up on people who wound others. He doesn't give up on them. His blood and his water is available to forgive even people who wound other people. Have you ever met someone who lives life like Longus? And they walk around with a spear, and all they do is wound people. I mean, I think they wake up every morning, and they're like, God, thank you that you're going to help me wound people today. God, I'm going to wound people, and I, I need your help. I need your power. There are people who live wounded lives. And you know the old phrase, hurting people hurt people. And what Longus discovered at the cross is that God doesn't even give up, God doesn't give up on people, even those people who wound other people. I want to give you real quickly seven warning signs that you're a wounded soldier. Because I'm afraid that we have in the body of Christ, of course, no one here today, this is probably all people watching online, just kidding. We have people who are wounded soldiers. 
You go around wounding people. You're like longest. You get a long sword and you wound from a distance, but you're a wounded soldier. And if you're here today and you're a wounded soldier, the good news is that God's not going to give up on you. He will forgive you, but he'd like you to stop wounding people. Seven warning signs. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. Number one, the first warning sign you're a wounded soldier is you live in continual bitterness. You're continually bitter. You're bitter at other people and you're bitter at the world. Chances are you're a wounded soldier. Number two, if you're a wounded soldier, you have trouble forgiving other people. You don't forgive the way Christ forgave you. And you wound people and you don't forgive people. Number three, if you're a wounded soldier, you are sarcastic. Everyone say sarcastic. You know what? I looked up that word. That word there, sarcastic, is an interesting word. In the Greek, it means to, to rip flesh little by little. Now think about it. If you're overly sarcastic, you are ripping flesh a little bit at a time. And chances are, if you say something and then you kid around and say, oh, I didn't mean it, chances are you meant it. And wounded people are continually sarcastic and they rip little pieces at a time. Sarcastic. Number four, wounded people are easily offended. Easily offended. Get their feelings hurt, toes stepped on, and they're always offended. Number five, they're continually negative. A wounded soldier is always negative. They look at the glass and it's always half empty. It's never half full. They're always continually negative. Number six, they build walls of separation. They isolate themselves. And then number seven, they're surrounded by continual and constant turmoil. Every day, new drama. Every day, another problem. Every day, it's somebody else's problem. And, and, and these are some warning signs that if you're living that kind of life, chances are you're a wounded soldier, and God doesn't want you to be wounded. And here's my answer for wounded soldiers. Are you ready? I don't have a lot of counseling or psychology to offer you today. If you want to get unwounded, come to the cross. Stand at the cross. Come to the cross. The answer is not coming to the pastor's office for more counseling. The answer is not going on the internet to try to, to find people who are going to feel sorry for you and, and help you out. The answer to people that are wounded is go to the cross. The cross just has a way of helping to heal wounded hearts. The cross just has a way of saying you can be forgiven. You can release that person. You don't have to be sarcastic. You don't have to be negative. When you and I go to the cross, something beautiful happens and we change. And if you don't believe it, ask Longus. Because he was there with a spear in his hand and when he was confronted with the beauty of the cross, he said surely he was the Son of God. I think our answer when we need help 
is to run to the cross. So maybe, just maybe, we ought to open up the church this week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and if you've got an issue, just go to the cross. In fact, I gave you a cross last week. How many got a cross last week? You got a cross. Having trouble in your marriage? Run to the cross. Are you depressed? Run to the cross. Are you angry? Run to the cross. Are you constantly wounding other people? Run to the cross. Go to the cross. It can change your life. Ask Longus. He went in an instant from a wounder to a saint because of his experience at the old wooden cross. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. Number two, the second thing Longus would tell us, I love this one. Second thing Longus would tell us is that, 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 that if you're wounded, you can be forgiven. But n- number two, he realized that at the foot of the cross, it's always level. At the foot of the cross, it's always level. There are no layers, there's no classes, there's no categories, there's no groups. When you come to the cross, the cross is always level ground. And Longus discovered that. Aren't you grateful that all of us can run to the cross? Aren't you grateful that we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops? We don't have to be part of a certain category or class, but when you and I run to the cross, the foot of the cross is always level, as level ground at the cross. At the cross, all lives matter. Because it's level. Let me give you real quickly, I want to give you six facts on, 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 on the cross and, and the forgiveness that is available at the cross, and it's always level playing field. Number one, forgiveness is forever at the cross because the cross is always level. Number two, forgiveness is limitless. When you run to the cross, there is unlimited forgiveness. Number three, when you run to the cross, forgiveness is universal. Anybody can come. Number four, when you run to the cross, it's always free. And number five, it's always available. Aren't you glad today that the cross doesn't shut down? Aren't you glad today that the cross doesn't close? Aren't you glad that you and I can walk on level ground and we are all on the same playing field when you run to the cross? The cross is always level. I'm grateful for that. Number three, I love this one. Longus would tell us that he recognized in the shadow of the cross, there is grace that is amazing. There's amazing grace that is available because of the cross. I, I looked this up, and, and you don't have to write all these down, but this is why grace is so amazing. Number one, we're saved by grace. How many are saved? Let me see your hands. You're saved by grace. You're forgiven by grace, you're sustained by grace, you're healed by grace, you're liberated by grace, you've been given talents by grace, God uses you by grace, he keeps you by grace, he transforms you by grace, and he matures you by grace. You know what Longus found at the cross? He found at the cross there is amazing grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm glad Longus 
discovered amazing grace that's available through Jesus Christ. And then number four, what Longus learned is that it's never too late to recognize who Jesus really is. It's never too late. At the very end, the earthquake started to take place, the thunder started to take place, the earth was shaking, and Longus discovered that it's never too late to recognize who Jesus is. It's never too late. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to close. And, and uh, Aaron, if you'll come up to the, uh, the, uh, of the guitar. And we're going we're gonna to close a little bit differently here today. You were going to help us, and, and last week you held the cross on your shoulders. You left as a, as a way for you to feel uh, the, the weight of the cross. Today we're going we're gonna to end a little bit differently. Now, I will admit, most of you are going to head out the back door, and you're going to go head to the, uh, lunch and, 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 and go watch the Bay Hill Golf Tournament. But there's some of you here today. I'm going to give you the chance to come to the cross and to stand at the cross, to pray at the cross. There's people here today, you've holding on to bitterness. You're wounded. You're holding on to unforgiveness. There's people here today that you're, you're depressed and you're discouraged and you're not sure about the future. There's some of you here today, you've, you've come and, and, and this has been a bad week because financially you got a phone call and your life shifted in just a moment and now you're faced with financial stress. There's some of you here today, you're sick. And I think you're getting sick of being sick. Sick of COVID. Sick of being sick. And there's times where we want to pray for you and anoint you with oil. And there's, there's times where, where, where it's appropriate to be prayed for. But today what I want to do is I want to end the service like this. And we're going to help you. I want you to come to the to, to the left side over here, and I want you to come to the right side. We're going to have ushers who are going to help you up. This is what I want you to do. I don't want you to get counseling from me or any other leader. I want you just to come and stand at the cross. If Longus's life could be changed in an instant, I believe our lives can be changed in an instant as we go to the cross. I'm glad we got a big wooden cross. Thank you, Tom Brodowski. I'm glad that we're not, uh, we're not shunning from the old rugged cross. I'm glad that we believe that there's redemption at the cross and there's life at the cross. And just every once in a while, we just need to go to the cross and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to heal our heart, to give us hope, to heal our bodies, to speak life into us. That can only happen when you and I run to the old, rugged cross. So in just a moment, as we dismiss today, I know your heart wants to go out the back door and, and get lunch, but maybe you just need a few minutes of standing at the cross and saying, God, if you could change a professional wounder like Longus by looking at the cross, God, change my heart. Take away the bitterness. Take away the resentment. Take away the sickness. Take away the shame and the guilt. I run to the cross today, and I pray that you would transform me by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand up across the auditorium? Let me pray for you. And then... old wooden cross. It's a beautiful attraction to me. Father, we come and God, we are, we are grateful today for the lives that could be changed at Calvary's cross. Lord, there's, there's people here today that are wounded and they're wounding other people. There's people here today that are discouraged. There's people here today that are scared and they're stressed. And God, our only answer is the cross. And if you can change Longus and make him into a, a saint, certainly you can do that in our lives and our hearts today, God. Lord, I pray that as we come to the cross, as we cling to the old wooden cross, as we stand to the cross, God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would heal us. I pray that you would forgive us. I pray that we would forgive ourselves. I pray that we would be filled with hope and purpose and vision and healing as we stand at the old wooden cross. God, we're grateful for the blood that was shed. We're grateful for the water that was poured out so that we can have abundant life. And I pray that you would speak to us today at the old wooden cross. We come and we ask you to speak to us as we stand. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Come to the cross.